Well, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's uh, good to be back with you again this weekend. And uh, as we begin, let's bow our heads for just a moment of prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We ask that you forgive us for all of our sins and that you just purify our hearts that we might receive your word gladly and into hearts that uh, are receptive to your word. Lord, we ask that you give us total deliverance from all sicknesses, illnesses, and pain. May you release your healing virtue into our bodies and uh, allow us to walk in divine health. We plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, our families, our homes, our schools, our workplaces. We praise you in advance for your blessings and we ask that you prosper us and dispatch angels to watch over us, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those uh, who are leading our country and those who are leading around the world as we face this coronavirus pandemic, that you would give them wisdom and also we pray, O oh God, that they would turn to you for guidance, for true wisdom in how to handle this. And Lord, we pray that you would cause us all to just uh, turn to you in repentance and call upon your name that our land might be healed, Lord God. All these things we pray in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Now, our scripture lesson today comes from Luke, the 24th chapter. We're going to be reading the 13th through the 31st verses. And behold, two men were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb earlier in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the things the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered there the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word uh, at this time. You know, as I've been looking over this passage this week, four verses have really caught my eye, and to me they seem to convey an important message for all of us today. The first uh, scripture is Luke 24, 18. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Now, don't you think it's kind of ironic that Cleopas is uh, talking to Jesus like he didn't have a clue what has been going on when actually Jesus was right in the middle of it? Cleopas thinks Jesus knows nothing when really it's Cleopas that needs filling in. Have you ever found yourself praying, Lord, you just don't have a clue about what's going on down here when really he's been right in the middle of it, doing some of his most important work for you and uh, a lot of other people that you care about too. Remember, when things look darkest, that that's when the Lord's doing his mightiest work. You may not see it. You may not see him, but he knows what's going on. On Good Friday, when it looked like it was all over and the enemy had won, that was the time when Jesus was bringing about the salvation of the world, when God was doing his most important work ever. In retrospect, you know, I can uh, look back and see times when it seemed like my career as a pastor was over. Even when I knew I was doing exactly what the Lord wanted me to do and was then brought uh, into elevated positions that I thought I would never occupy. I've gone through times of darkness in my life financially, emotionally, and spiritually when all I could do was just hang on in trusting faith one day at a time. Now I must say in looking back, every time there was a moment 
when I realized that somehow the Lord had gotten me through and I was safe on the other side uh, from whatever I'd been facing and the bad time, all of a sudden as I looked back, it was just like a distant bad dream. Now, you may be going through a rough patch right now. It may be physically, emotionally, financially, health-wise, or relationally. If so, this message is for you. And uh, the Lord wants to remind you that you have to go through Good Friday sometimes in order to get to Easter. You have to experience the cross before you can experience the resurrection power that can only come from God. So I want to encourage you right now, just hang on. Listen, hang on right now and keep listening uh, to me right now and keep listening to God all the time. He's going to get you through if you'll just hang on and keep trusting in him. The next scripture I want to share with you uh, is Luke 24, 16. But their eyes prevented them from recognizing him. There, I'm going to rephrase that. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now let's face it, there are times when we are down and we feel like God has let us down or even forgotten us. I remember a time when I felt like God had just totally forgotten me. It seemed just everything was going wrong. The church I was serving's roof was falling in, and they didn't have the money to repair it. In fact, they were so low on funds that my first paycheck bounced. I just preached what I thought was the worst sermon of my life, and I was just feeling like a failure in every area. And in the midst of that, as I was walking home from my church, to the parsonage. I just prayed in deep despair. And very seriously, God, have you just forgotten me? Do you just not want to have anything to do with me anymore? And about that time, I got to our front door and I saw a package there in the mailbox and I picked it up and uh, I noticed that the uh, writing on it, the address on it was uh, put there and the name by hand, handwritten, and uh, it was a padded in a padded mailer addressed to me. The postmark was smeared. It had no return address, and so I couldn't tell where it came from. And when I opened it, this is what I found. I don't know if you can see that. I'm trying to hold it up uh, so that you can see it. I think you can there. Now, you've got to remember, I did just pray, Lord, have you forgotten me? And for those of you who are listening and can't see it, it was a small plaque, and it had written on it, See, I will never forget you. I have carved you in the palm of my hand. And it shows a painting of a nail-scarred hand. You see, just because you don't feel like he's not near, or you don't feel like he's near, or circumstances seem to indicate that he's not around, that doesn't mean that he isn't near. 
and it doesn't mean that he doesn't know what's going on. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not right there with you and that he doesn't have good in store for you. Because you see, brothers and sisters, he's carved you in the palms of his hands. You remember those nail prints? Those were for you. You are carved indelibly in the palms of his hands. Third scripture, Luke 24, 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Now, to me, this is the key verse of our passage for this age and for this time. You can hear the disappointment and the disillusion in Cleopas's voice as he says this to Jesus. The thing is, like a lot of the other disciples, they didn't understand God's purposes for the Messiah, and they couldn't really grasp what he was telling them about going to Jerusalem, being crucified, and then rising on the third day. They had expectations and hopes for Jesus that didn't line up with God's. I see this and I hear this in different forms a lot in ministering to people and then just interacting with my brothers and sisters in Christ. They have their own hopes and ideas and dreams that they expect God to fulfill and they think it's God's job to help them in these. Now, sadly, their hopes and dreams are just their own, and they wind up being upset with God for not, cooperate, not cooperating with them or disillusioned because he didn't fulfill their misplaced hope. Cleopas's and other, the other disciples' hopes were based at that time on popular nationalistic folk religion and not on our sovereign God's plans and purposes. Their pop culture filters prevented them from hearing Jesus' words accurately and from really understanding and believing the things that God had laid out clearly in the Bible. Now, recognizing this, uh, Jesus helped them to see things clearly. And you know what he did? He took them back to the scripture. And so the next passage that we look at is Luke 24, 25 through 27. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now this is Jesus talking. All that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now he took these two disciples who had been taught the scriptures in childhood and he showed them things that they had missed because they had been taking their teacher's presuppositions and their own presuppositions to the Bible as they read it. And I want to encourage you to go back to the Bible. I don't care if you think that you know it, and let me 
Let me tell you, if I ask you all to raise your hands, a lot of you, and I ask you, are you Christians? Most of you would raise your hand. You'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. If I said, okay, do you read your Bible all the time? Do you read your Bible daily? Let's see your hands. I bet I wouldn't see nearly as many hands. Now, what I want to encourage you to do is to go to the scriptures, go to the Bible, go to the Bible, start at the beginning, start where Jesus started with these disciples, start in the book of Genesis, and then pray and ask the Lord to open the scriptures to you and pray that he would help you to get rid of all the preconceived filters and things that you have been taught that might be keeping you from seeing the truth in Scripture. Um, I heard Robert Morris talking a few days ago about how uh, he was asked by a pastor to come and preach, and uh, he was just preaching God's Word, and uh, Oh, on the third Sunday, I mean, the third time he preached, I think it was, he preached out of uh, Psalm 103 and how it says there that he's the God that heals all your diseases. You know, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he, one of the things that he names is a characteristic of God who heals all your diseases. The pastor, after that message, said, I need to talk with you. And uh, Robert Moore said, okay, and they got together to visit. And he said, do you believe that God heals all diseases? And Robert Morris didn't share with him what he believed. He just shared, shared scripture, Psalm 103, who heals all your diseases. And the pastor said, yeah, but do you believe that? And Robert Morris said, it says it right here, who heals all your diseases. And he said, you believe that? And Robert Morris said, just read it right here yourself. And he had it in his Bible. And the man took it and he read it. And then he looked at Robert Morris after having read those words, who heals all your diseases, and he said, I just don't see it. Now his words were very clear. He saw it. He just didn't believe it. And the reason he did not believe it is because of preconceived filters from misguided preachers and teachers from his past. They had taught him not to believe God's word. If we call it God's word, why shouldn't we believe it? Well, Jesus takes these disciples and he takes them to the very beginning. When the passage mentions Moses, it's speaking of the first five books of the Old Testament. Jesus began in Genesis and he took them all the way through the prophets and the Psalms and he showed them his true mission and work, that he had to die and rise from the dead to fulfill all that was written about him. 
and to redeem not just Israel, but any who would believe in him, to redeem them from sin and death and hell. Now, some of you are probably like these two disciples were on that first Easter morning. You had great hopes, and you feel like the Lord has failed you. If so, let me ask you, have your hopes been misplaced? Have you been deciding what God should do and then been disappointed in him? Or have your hopes been based on him and his good plans for you? I read across a testimony recently that pretty well sums all this up. I want to kind of wrap all this up uh, by uh, reading uh, from uh, this particular testimony by Marilyn Johnson. Uh, it's an article entitled, Exchange Your Dreams for God's Plans. She starts off, God's plans for my life have almost never been my plans for my life. When I was 13, I knew what college I wanted to attend even before I started high school, what career I wanted to pursue afterward, what age I thought would be ideal to get married, and even what life might look like well into my 20s. I held on to these plans for a long time until real life happened and not like I thought it would. Sometimes I felt like I had no control at all over uh, plans that fell apart. I tried to make my timeline fit, but my plans just weren't working. Despite all my dreams and efforts, almost nothing on my list happened in the way or timing I expected. It was quickly evident that the Lord had something else in mind for my life. As God directed my life uh, at each step, often against my will, he also changed my heart. With each delayed or unfulfilled plan, I began to learn what it meant to willingly, even joyfully, exchange my personal dreams for God's good plans for me. And then she says, the exchange requires surrender. And let me just go ahead and say amen to that. After a series of disappointments early on in life, I began to ask what all God might ask me to give up in my life. Would he ask me to go to a different college? Would he not enable me to succeed in the career I wanted? Would I ever get married or have a family of my own? I became afraid that life would only ever be disappointment. I knew what I wanted, but I didn't have any confidence that what I wanted was what God wanted for me. I also knew that no matter how hard I worked to make my desires come true, no amount of forward thinking or effort would succeed if it was outside of God's will for my life. Now, God does not want us to adopt a fear-driven mindset about our future. His sovereign power over our lives is meant to inspire us 
to hope, not worry. Your dreams or aspirations are not necessarily bad desires, but God ultimately knows what is best for us, and therefore he determines where we go and how our lives unfold. He desires that we surrender our own plans to him so that we can be ready, willing, and available to go wherever he leads regardless of whether it's what we pictured or planned for ourselves. It is never easy to loosen our grip on our own desires, but it is the first step to experiencing the joy of embracing God's will for us. And then she says that this exchange requires faith. The disappointments or disruptions may not make sense to us in the middle of the transition. By definition, they probably will not. When we're called to lay aside our plan and live something different, waiting in a longer season of singleness, getting passed over for a promotion at work, rehabbing for an, from an injury or illness, or might I add in here, a coronavirus shutdown, it's hard to understand why God would force us to walk this journey instead of giving us what we want. We're not able to understand everything God does in our lives because we cannot see it from his perspective. We do not know what he is trying to accomplish or what mercies he is pouring out for us on this new path. Still, we can know that nothing in his plan will ultimately harm us and everything in his plan will ultimately be better for us. Remember Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for that God causes all things to work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And see this is what it's all about. As each step unfolds we're called to trust that God knows what he is doing and that he is taking us exactly where he wants us to be. Therefore, we have the choice of either trusting in our own understanding by continuing to try to force our own plans to work, or we can choose to trust God and ask that our desires be transformed into his desires. By his grace, we are empowered to forego what we once wanted in order to say yes to what he is now asking of us. Now, stepping forward on a path different than what we have chosen is intimidating. Often the way seems impossible to us, and the Lord calls us to believe that he will provide and make the impossible possible. Stepping forward on a path different, it can be intimidating. The, through our weakness, he promises to put his glory and strength on display. If we ask him, he'll call our attention to all the ways he has provided before. He will remind us that he can be trusted to give us what we need, even if the path may be unclear or uncertain. And no matter where he takes us, he will be with us each step of the way. 
You see, God's plan is not about depriving us of good things. He delights in giving his children good gifts. He also desires above all else for us to follow him and delight in him. Sometimes God will make us sacrifice something we want to secure our heart for the greatest good, himself. It's okay to acknowledge that change and disappointment are hard, but we also know that what we will be given instead is much more valuable than any goal or plan that we could have created for ourselves. Let's pray. Oh God, many today are hearing you say to them, you have misplaced your hope. You have decided what you want, but I know what you need and I know what is the best for you. And I have plans for you, for a future and a hope. Lord, help us to be willing to set aside what we want and start asking you what you want for us. Help us to learn what your will is and to do it, knowing that you will be walking with us, that your plans are unfolding day by day, and you want us to be a part of your plan, a plan that's much bigger than anything we might hope for, and a future that's much greater than we could ever understand. Forgive us, O oh God, if we've placed our hope in smaller things than you, and help us to place not just our hope, but our trust in you as we move forward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.